Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing. We just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. All right. Well, I suppose now that we have been joined by our wonderful friends, it is time to say good morning. And welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'm your host. And I sound really excited, but we're going to be talking about quitting today. So we got that going for us. Actually, I think it's going to be a really fantastic conversation because although the subject is quitting, quitting doesn't always have to mean quitting, but I think that there are times when we can recognize that it's time for a shift. And because we talked about motivation and we talked about how we continue to be motivated, what kinds of things do we do, what questions do we ask ourselves, and how do we dig deep, sometimes those questions are going to be answered by saying, it's just not this thing anymore. And it's a really difficult subject to tackle because, number one, nobody really likes to feel like they've given up. Number two, we struggle with the sunk cost fallacy, which basically means we have this feeling that I've put so much into this pursuit that if I give up now, I will have wasted all that time, right? And so that is something that sometimes keeps us inside of or keeps us following a path we maybe should have left. Um, And I know that it's difficult to come to that conclusion because we truly do want to believe That as long as we stay true and we keep following the path and we understand our why, all the things that we talk about to keep us motivated, that's going to guarantee that it's going to be a successful venture down the road, right? And while that is a requirement for success, taking that path doesn't always mean the thing that we're pursuing is the right thing for us. And we do have to be able to recognize when those road signs pop up that say, you know what, we're just not the same person anymore. What we're doing isn't aligned with who we are anymore. Maybe it was when we started, but for whatever reason, things have changed. It's time to take this and either move it to a different part of our lives or change the way that we interact with it or let it go altogether. And it's really difficult as artists to walk away from things that we love and and ways that we've enjoyed creating or serving our customers. But it's a conversation we really do need to have because sometimes things just need to change. So the question becomes, how do we know? How do we know when it's time to walk away from something or for that thing that we love to mutate into a new version of itself so that it can serve its place in our life better? I know almost everybody on the panel today has gone through one of these changes in their lives where they were in a career that for a long time they loved. And for whatever reason, whether that was a business we were running ourselves or a business we were part of, for whatever reason we changed or the business changed or it just didn't align with what we wanted in our futures anymore. And so the way that we 
surprise in a vehicle, the way that we approach that thing or the purpose it serves in our life had to change as well. So there's a lot of insight here on the panel today. And I know we'll have a lot of insight with the audience members. So although we'll give everyone on the panel a chance to chat for a little bit, please be ready to raise your hand if you have gone through one of those experiences where the art form you loved or the business you were pursuing or whatever it is needed to either be removed or changed in your life because the last thing we wanna do is keep following the wrong direction to a city we don't even wanna to go to anymore. Sometimes the best thing we can do is let go and turn towards the new thing or the thing that's better aligned with us. So I would love to hear, I know, I know some of these stories already, but I would love to hear from the panelists today, what is your experience with, and I'm gonna call it quitting, even though it's not entirely, but it's probably the best term used to describe having to walk away from something or change it. So what is your experience with quitting something that you did love or did care about, or maybe you cared about it at one time and then something happened that pulled that love away? What was that like for you? I'm just, I'm just gonna hop in right away. Uh, I, I think it's also important to note, and this is something I go over with my, my mentees when we're setting goals, and new year resolutions and intentions and all of the things. Um, and it's sort of, a, it's, it's along the same lines with the quote unquote quitting, but it still ties into sort of the, the success space. So you can choose to, to keep this as a point or, you know, like move on without it. But um, one of the things that is required of us as we grow and evolve in our careers is learning to quit doing certain things so that we're able to grow into the person that we need to be to get to that next level. So we have to quit certain things and stop tolerating certain things in our personal lives and in our businesses so that we're able to become the person that we need to be in order for that business to grow. Um, so that's, that's definitely in line with with the quitting piece without being like i walked away from my bartending career you know after all of the hurdles and created a photo business um i had to i didn't want to be the 50 year old bartender right so i i had to move into that space where like oh okay i guess i need to learn how to use this camera um but learning when we need to quit doing certain things and tolerating certain things allows us to grow and evolve as people Oh man, you're absolutely right. And I love the way that this topic not only applies to sometimes when we need to recognize, you know what, what I'm doing now is not right for me, but also you're absolutely right. Um, the things that I'm tolerating in my life and what I'm allowing to be there, sometimes those are not the right things either. So the question becomes, how do we start to recognize those things? And what are some of the steps that we can take to actually, because at least from my perspective, I have often tolerated things far longer than I should have because of a lot of the reasons that we talked about before, because, you know, society says like, be determined. It's grit that really gets those 1% to where they want to go and all these things. And I don't want to be a quitter, right? Like I don't want to keep allowing things in my life, but also it's hard for me to recognize because I have all of these other expectations on me. So what are some of the things that you use Kat to start to recognize when something needs to be cut out or cut away from your life resentment and bottleneck in systems 
So if I start resenting clients, friends, family, whatever, I know that there's something that I'm tolerating that I haven't set a boundary on, um, or at least not as clearly as maybe I thought I had, uh, is a big one for me. If I start resenting anyone for any reason, it's typically because I haven't said X, Y, or Z. And then when I start seeing bottlenecks and systems, like retouching is a huge example of this. Um, when I start realizing like, I don't have time to retouch and then I'm starting to resent the process of retouching, then I know like, okay, I need to outsource the retouching so I can continue shooting and creating and let somebody else handle that retouch aspect so that I can continue on those like money-making tasks. Holy moly, those two things are so clear. And I love that so much, especially because what you said is, if I'm feeling resentful toward a person, it's not because they're necessarily doing anything wrong per se. It's because I'm allowing something I shouldn't be allowing. Like I should have said something, right? I should have let them know this is not okay for me or this is not acceptable. Or That's a really powerful way to take responsibility for the things that are coming into your life in a way that means you actually have the power to change them. I really, really love that idea, Kat. Yeah, like when we talked about contracts last week, um, I think it was last week, uh, you know, I've had a, a couple of clients sort of pop up out of the blue with like additional retouching requests after like they've received digital files and then weeks after that they've received folios and then I get emails, hey, you know, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And I was like, all right, fine. And it's because I hadn't set a boundary in any kind of contract or conversation or anything else. And so I was like, all right, fine. I guess that's the universe being like, all right, cat, use a fucking contract. Uh, but that's, that's the thing, right? Like I hadn't set the boundary because my expectation is we talked about all of the edits that they wanted and then they were delivered and then weeks went by after that delivery. And then I start getting these emails about la, 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 la. So, you know, it still happens you know, 10 years in. For sure. And man, I think all of us can, can look at that and be able to apply it all throughout our lives. Like we know what it feels like to start resenting a person or a process or a situation. And uh, that's a really fantastic indicator. So we're going to grab that as number one, right? If we start feeling resentful, we need to look at that as a red flag that points to something and start exploring whatever that is, whether that is a person, a situation, a process that's part of our workflow. Um, I really, really love being able to use that as, as point number one, because it's a powerful one. So what else y'all, what are some other either red flags or signs that we can know when it's time to quit something? I think Kat covered the same red flags that I have as if, you know, I'm feeling resentful towards something or it's just not bringing me any level of joy. But I usually kind of move on at that point or change something significantly, whether that's my marriage, whether it's my company, whether it's a book that I'm reading. If I get 10 pages into a book and it's just not thrilling me, there's nothing that I feel I have to finish that book. The problem is... I'm also extraordinarily loyal, extraordinarily tenacious, um, very nostalgic. So I tend to hold on for far too long. But I do eventually get to a point where I'm like, you know what, this just isn't working for me. And at that point, it's a it's a 
final door that's shut. But it's that nostalgia, it's that thing that keeps me hanging on, right? That keeps me invested for far too long. Maybe that's a, a, a boundary issue that I have, but I know that when I'm quitting something, it's kind of like you're dead to me, right? <laughs> it's it's not like, oh, I should probably give this up. I'm like, nope, I made the decision, you're dead to me. And I did the same thing with several of my businesses. I realized that I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting the same passion out of this. It's taking up a lot of my time. I would be better served going somewhere else. So where does that all start? It's kind of the same thing I preach in all aspects. It's the self-awareness. It's doing the check-ins. It's, you know, really asking yourself, does this make me happy? Why am I doing this? Do I feel resentment? Am I moving forward? Is this bringing me anything in the long run? Can I outsource it, give it away, leave it, whatever it may be? What's the outcome look like? And the way that I go about that is I say, if I was to look at someone from the outside and give them advice, take stock of them, I don't know them, but I see what's going on in their life and I know exactly what the root cause of their problem is, what would I say to them? And then I turn around and I say that directly back to me. Because if I'm not being honest with myself and saying, you know what, I've been um, doing this style of photography too long, or I'm trying to retouch for too long and convince myself that it's doing something good for me when in actuality it's not, then I know at that point, if I had a friend that came in and looked at me, what would the advice be that they gave me? That's what I try to look at it. That's the point that I try to look at it from. Does that make sense? So it's kind of that roommate in my head, the the unbiased observer, something like that, um, where I look at my own life and I say, what would a what would a really good, honest friend tell me about this situation and what I need to do? And that usually guides me pretty clearly. Okay, I really love that. And there was something that you said there that I kind of immediately latched onto, and. I lost what it was, so I'm super bummed out. But I want to start with the fact that I think those check-ins are so, so important. And that's something we don't do often enough, right? We tend to kind of plow ahead and we just keep going until things are so wrong that it forces us to do something. It's like ignoring the fact that your car needs an oil change and not doing anything to the check engine light comes on and all of a sudden something is, something is starting to go catastrophic, right? So what do you, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but I just want to hone in on it for a second. For those check-ins with yourself, what do you do and how often do you have those? Uh, how many seconds are in a day? Because there's usually one or two, <laughs> one or two per second. Um, yeah, you know, I, I do it. I, I wish I could say I had a timetable for, all right, it's Monday, I'm going to do a check-in with myself. It's really the feelings that I get, right? And I, I try to look at it. And I say, what other things are going on in my life? Am I pissed off about this over here? Am I not sleeping or eating well? Like, why am I feeling this general sense of malaise or lack of motivation or dread or resentment or whatever it is? Why am I feeling these negative feelings? And I try to trace it to the root. If it winds up being something that I'm working on, that's when it triggers that. All right, well, what would I say to myself if I were an outside observer? You know, a perfect example for me on a, on a very tangible everyday basis 
is all these subscriptions that I have, right? Whether it's education sites or content writing sites or stock video sites or, you know, whatever the case is, I've got all of these subscriptions that I pay X amount of dollars, anywhere from $9 to $120 a month. And some of them I look at, and I'm like, ah, oh, I should cancel that. I really should cancel that. But I might get something out of it tomorrow. I might have a project and I hold on to it and I hold on to it. Meanwhile, I'm complaining like, damn it, I'm losing money every month on this part of my business. Why is that? And the answer presents itself, just get rid of the friggin' subscriptions, you know? And I just, when I finally get to that point, I start canceling stuff. But that's a that's kind of a tangible, tangible example where I have to figure out what the root of the problem is, and then I just go after it and, and take care of it. Does that, does that help, Nicole? Yes, yeah. And then so um, I know, at least for me, particularly going into this new year, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm doing quarterly check-ins. So um, there's two things. First, I want to say really quickly, just in case I forget, the point about having to convince yourself is one I want to touch on. So don't let me forget that. But um, when it comes to the check-ins, I realized that that was a mistake that I was making is I was just letting random circumstances determine when I started checking in with myself. Like I was waiting for, I don't know, maybe subconsciously, I was waiting for some emotion to come along where I was like, Ugh, and I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And then I'd go, okay, wait, it's time to figure things out. But instead this year, I've realized that I'm just going to build the systems and I'm going to run them for a quarter. And then I'm going to stop and I'm going to look back at all the data I have and use that data and then will like weigh that against how I feel about everything. So I'm going to do a check-in every quarter with my business and with myself to see where everything is at and, and run through all those internal exercises to see, okay, am I still happy? Is this still workable? Do it, does it still feel like this is the thing I should be doing? How does, it, how does it feel to run through these systems every day? Now that I've been doing it for long enough to actually have everything down pat, is this still okay? And then do the numbers corroborate the fact that I'm doing good things or does, does something need to change? So for me, I'm absolutely like literally putting that in my calendar. I'm not going to let a quarter go by without doing that for myself. So for you, before we get to the convincing yourself part, do you just kind of do these naturally? I know that you said, um, you know, going through a therapy really helped you be a lot more present with yourself. So are these things now that you just do without having to think about it or do you make time specifically to do those check-ins with yourself? From a business standpoint, I, I check in at least once quarterly. Um, usually it's once a month because I'm a little bit more obsessive than that. From the self-awareness standpoint, yeah, it's just ingrained in me now. It's literally constant. It's every couple of minutes. It's every couple of hours, depending on how the day is going. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly looking inwards. That's probably not necessarily the best thing either, but it's, I've gone through it so much and practiced it so much. It's relatively easy for me to pick up on when my mood varies from, you know, generally between the guardrails and I start going off the road. Um, I'm very aware of that and can pretty much course correct uh, immediately. Okay, beautiful. That's kind of what I suspected. So just want to remind everybody who's listening today that there is not a right way or a one perfect way to do these check-ins. Um, whether you need to be doing them often or whether you can space them out a little bit, whatever it is, you need, you need to schedule those. You need to have those be part of 
how am I? Don't wait until you've burnt yourself out before you figure out what went wrong. Give yourself those 3,000 mile oil changes so that you can take stock of what's going on before things go catastrophic. Because we've talked about before the fact that we will tend to stay in our comfort zones as long as humanly possible until the cost of changing or until the cost of staying the same outweighs the cost of changing. And so then it requires some outside force to impact our lives and force us into making the changes we need to make. If we can avoid that, if we can make those changes early with good information, it's going to be a lot better for us. So making sure that we take the time to check in. And then the other thing you said I want to touch on before we get to Becca and Bassam, and then yes, I see the hands up in the audience. Please hang in there, guys. We are, we are going to bring you up. Um, but the other thing I wanted to touch on was you basically said, I will convince myself to keep doing things, um, even though they're not actually helping me because, right, you don't want to give up on something or it may help you in the future or whatever it is that you come up with, you kind of have to convince yourself to do it. And I find that to be a really fantastic red flag for me because my powers of persuasion are high and deep. And I can convince myself of almost anything if given enough time. And if I have had to spend days, weeks, months trying to tell myself that something is still a good idea, even though it's clearly not because I wouldn't have to persuade myself if it was, um, that's a good red flag for me that something needs to change. So there may be some people in the audience who are the same. If I have to keep reminding myself and keep bringing up my why and keep trying to say, oh, all this is a good idea, yeah, it's a, come on you, it's a good idea, then probably it's not a good enough idea that I can do it without persuasion. And I think that's not a great sign for where something fits in our lives. So I really like that point also. Okay, Becca Bassam, before we start snatching up friends from the audience, what about y'all? What do you think about quitting? How do we know when it's time or... Do we even have to necessarily quit? Can things change? Like, what are your thoughts in general? I'm not even going to pretend to have a mature or functional response to this particular topic. Is Becca uh, really quiet or is that just me? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I, I also turned myself up just a little bit. I just want to make sure. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely fall into the category of preferring to burn so hot to find a solution to something that I'll eventually explode into a giant cloud of dust um which is not functional not healthy um but i mean it, maybe it's it's almost like a linguistic problem or a semantics problem where when i think of the word quit it seems like a really hard stop and often when i have had issues that may or may not have ended in quitting i prefer to look for the solution and I will keep looking for that solution at whatever cost if I'm really deeply emotionally invested in something. And in the case where I do find a solution, I no longer think of it as quitting, but rather as evolution. Uh, so for instance, like in my career, I, I don't ever consider that I quit photography. Like, absolutely not. I still think of myself on some level as a photographer, even though I don't really take photos these days. But I didn't quit photography to become an illustrator or a digital artist. My art itself evolved. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to actually having to really just hard pull the plug on something, I not, not something I am good at. Similar to what you said about persuading yourself into anything, I will definitely 
keep, you know, that lockjaw grip on whatever the thing is and hold on until there's nothing to hold on to anymore. Which is not the best idea, right? <laughs> it's not, it's not. And I'm just being candid with it. Like, I'm not going to pretend to be profound here. Like, I have some great answer and this is something I'm great. It's not, it's absolutely not. I struggle with that. And like things like my first marriage, I held on for years that really didn't need to be held on to because I was so emotionally invested and letting go of things like time and effort that, you know, you put into anything, whatever that may be. It's really hard to let go of. And sometimes it takes, um, if we backtrack a long time to Kat's idea of phoenixing, uh, you know, where we burn ourselves up into ash, like sometimes that's really what it would take for me to stop something. And no, it's not the best idea. No, I, I mean, I think that you said two things that were actually really profound. And the first thing I wanted to, to grab a hold of was just this idea of um, evolution, right? And I think you're absolutely right. Semantics do play an important part in, in how we justify something to ourselves. And sometimes quitting, if we're that kind of person, just the word itself has these negative connotations, right? And it, it really is like cutting something off and it no longer exists anymore. And depending on how we define that for ourselves may not be the right word for the situation that we're using. Um, the reason I chose that word today is because it is such a, it's a hard word. Like it is a powerful delineating, just smash you with a gavel kind of word, which forces us to think, right? But your, your term evolution is absolutely right. And I think oftentimes we will not give something up because we, not, not only the sunk cost fallacy, like I've been doing this for so long, we don't realize that we're now wasting our time as well. But um, we, we are afraid to give up all the things that we've learned not realizing that really we never, those things never leave us. They just evolve into the next iteration of who we are. So when, and I know this with you because I've done the same thing, all of those skills that I have in photography, I pull those into illustration. I still understand lighting and form and posing and all of these things. And my, my time spent retouching has given me a really deep understanding of anatomy, right? Particularly of the face. So I can tell when something is off. If I'm illustrating, I know I don't have an eye socket that's like actually working in bone structure the way it should. So you don't ever actually lose those skills. They always are on some kind of a pivot. Even if the fields seem like they're very different, um, you could say that bartending for cat and photography are two wildly different skill sets, but the ability to connect with people and deal with people and have great customer service and learn what people want and what they need and all of these things that you need as a good bartender really can transfer skill set and come with you. So you don't actually lose those things. And I think often we refuse to give things up because we're afraid of losing all the things that we've built, which also ties into our identity and how we see ourselves, right? We have this feeling that once those things go, and once I stop doing these things, who am I now? And so, of course, our brain wants to step in and try to protect that seat of identity and be like, well, then don't do the thing, stupid. We don't want to lose all this part. We don't want to grieve over this and have to rebuild this whole piece of ourselves. But the simple fact of the matter is, as people, that's just what we have to do when you grow 
you lose parts of the old thing and you take what's important with you into the next phase. A butterfly is a different creature than a caterpillar, but it's still the caterpillar that was the caterpillar before, if that makes any sense. It just lost the pieces of itself that wouldn't serve it in its new life. And it grew new pieces of itself that would serve it in the life that it will have in the future. And we are kind of the same. But the fear of the pain of that change and the fear of the grief that's associated with losing those things can often be the thing that stops us from evolving. And so that's why I love your use of that word so much. Because you do, in a very real way, quit becoming the caterpillar. You are not a caterpillar any longer. But that doesn't mean that you didn't still retain the important parts of who you are as you move into the next thing. And those skill sets that we bring with us still do exist. So I do actually think that that was incredibly profound. Damn, um, it's hot. <laughs> I know, being all secretly uh, profound. Although you did say it much faster and cleaner than I did. So. I don't know, you sounded prettier. Um, I, I did actually, you, you mentioned the grief and the loss there. And I feel like that's a huge factor. I know in like big life changes for me is that grieving period. And if there was any profound revelation I've really had through large changes, it's accepting that it's okay to grieve those things. And you can still move on without whatever they may be. And take the time to be upset about it. You, it, it can feel like the little death, you know, whatever it is, if it's a career change or a friendship or a romance or, you know, whatever, heck, even your uh, educational subscriptions over there, Matt, if you need to be sad about that after you turn them off, like, go for it, go feel some grief. But that's just part of the process of moving forward through that evolution, too. Yeah, absolutely. It is part of that. It's hard to accept because we don't want to add pain to our lives, but that's what that growth requires sometimes. So um, I want to hear from Bassam, and then both Erica and Carol had their hands up. So I have, I've tried to bring up both of y'all, and I would encourage friends that are in the audience today as well. If you have um, something to share as it comes to quitting or evolving, letting go of something, and moving forward, we really, really want to hear from you. But first, let's hear from Bassam, and then we'll start grabbing our audience members. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> There's so much that's been said so far, and then your last intervention, Nicole, has been so uh, indicative of, of, or at least a good summary of what I had to go through and, and, and what I had to kind of come to a realization after quitting my corporate career and, and getting into this, this next phase of my life. And fundamentally, I, I believe at, at the most basic level, we're, we're all just looking for joy, that feeling of joy. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I also believe that there's a timing for everything. In other words, I like to use the term conditions of success. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's, there's uh, gotta be, when you quit something, and you want it to be a positive thing, or you have to be, you're not so attached to, to, to the past, is when the right conditions, the winning conditions are in place for you to quit. And often, it's the recognition of certain things, right? One of the things you mentioned is, is where we attach our identity, right? Like, what, what is it are we actually quitting, <laughs> right? Like, in my case, when I quit my, my corporate job, was I really quitting being a vice president and general manager at an aerospace company? Was I really quitting being a leader in a large organization? Uh, uh, and, and, or 
or did I did I quit that or I did quit something else? And 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 the answer is, yes, I quit that. But what I did not quit is being a an individual that gets that that has impact positive impact on people and has has ways of influencing people's lives on a daily basis. But what's what was missing is an alternative and a recognition that that's what gave me joy. It wasn't the identity that I had attached to myself, which which is, you know, corporate VP, so on and so forth. It's once you recognize that your identity is uh, the latter of the two that I described and that I actually have an alternative that I recognize where I, I, I can actually thrive and get that joy somewhere else. That's when quitting was obvious to me. I had a choice to quit or not quit, but had I not discovered photography, had I not discovered that I can get that same joy somewhere else, I don't think the winning conditions would have been there for me to quit. I would have probably stuck it out, lived another five years of hell, and and maybe, and, and God knows what else would have happened in terms of, you know, finding another outlet. So it's it's really sometimes the lack of that alternative or clarity about where do you really get your joy. So, you know, uh, uh, is it is it the thing itself or is it some underlying uh, element or or thing where you get your joy, right? And once you recognize that, you say, well, okay, now it's easy for me to quit because I know where I get my joy and I can I have alternatives and I can get it here and there and somewhere else. I love that idea of clarity, Bassam, and I know this has been like something that you have mentioned several times over the past, I don't know, several months, but um, this idea of how important it is to have clarity, and I think you're absolutely right, and we can do that thing. We can search for that clarity before we make the hard decision or afterwards, but I have this feeling that if we were to make it before then maybe we would save ourselves a little bit of the grieving process because I know, at least for me, the times when I have... So I have stopped doing several things. Sorry for the loud vehicles. I'm going to hide back here for a minute. Um, In fact, I had a friend yesterday. We share a birthday, so he messaged me. And then he said, man, what are you doing now? Because I look at your profile and it says, former all these things, right? is a former staff writer for S-Stoppers and a former community lead for Pro-EDU and et cetera, et cetera. And <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? I have walked away or left a lot of things. Um, and the interesting part about that is those things were exactly what they needed to be for the season that I was in. But many times the change left me floundering a little bit. It left me trying to figure out now how that fits into my life and and what happened to the spaces that it used to fill while it was there those spaces were empty and if I think I think if I would have had some clarity and said what was it that I was getting from this because it wasn't just the writing and it wasn't just the management and it wasn't just whatever there was something that came from that that made it worthwhile to be there was it the money was it the security Was it being able to positively impact people? Was it having access to this group of amazing folks that I could help daily? Like, what was it that really was driving me wanting to be there? And when I stopped working for those places, did that mean that I now lose that part of myself? Or does that mean 
I can still take those pieces that gave me joy and just morph them into another arena. And I feel like I wouldn't have had to struggle through such an identity crisis if I would have had clarity on that beforehand. And I wish I would have been thinking that way before I did walk away from those areas. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to pretend that I knew it either because it took me two years to figure this out. I mean, it, after, after, after I changed careers, it took me two years to, to identify the fact that, you know, who I am, I'm not, a, I'm not a different person now. I'm the same person doing something in a different context, right? As opposed to, hey, I left an identity and I got to find a new identity. So that took two years. So what I just described in terms of clarity is it's, uh, yes, I wish sometimes it would have been there before. Uh, but it, it's unfortunately that's not the way life works. But it, it it does teach you lessons in terms of of self reflection and retrospect and looking and trying to figure you know digging deeper into into self awareness uh, for whatever comes up in the future for you. I mean, it's just lessons learned, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've had some really fantastic insight so far into what this process can look like and into some of the red flags that we can be looking for that will help signal to us that something needs to change. Things like resenting something or someone or a situation. If we have that resentment going on, that's a red flag. We wanna be seeing if there's something that can be changed or like Kat said, if we're tolerating something that we should not be tolerating. We wanna be doing those check-ins, like Matt mentioned, um, checking in with ourselves to see if we're okay and if we're still happy and if everything is still working for us. And we want to be asking ourselves those questions regularly before things go catastrophic. Um, cynicism, we, yeah, when you're cynical, oh, cynicism yeah. is another, another red flag, right? When you become cynical about things that you're living, right? Oh, that's a really good one, Basam, absolutely. So let's put that in there with um, emotions that crop up, these emotions that negatively affect us when they crop up. They're not bad emotions, right? They don't feel good, but they're warning signs. So cynicism, that's a great one also. Um, and then making sure that we're also not having to convince ourselves over the long term. Sometimes we're in a season and being able to reconnect, as we talked about before, with that inner motivation and our why helps, gets us, helps to get us through that season. But when the season doesn't end, and we have to keep convincing ourselves to pick up the thing every day. And it will get harder and harder to continue to convince yourself. That's a sign. Also, to resentment and cynicism, let's add apathy. If we get to the point where we're legitimately apathetic about the outcome of what we're doing or the thing that we're doing for a long term, that's also a really good sign that you're not where you're supposed to be because you should be caring. So we've talked about all those things, the difficulty in where our identity's at, and sometimes the fact that we know we're going to grieve over losing or walking away from the circumstances that we're in or the person we believe that we've become, how that can stop us from chasing down those, those new paths and how we need to have clarity on what it is that actually causes us to want the thing or how we identify who we are and how that can help us maybe move forward into the next thing, recognizing that we're not necessarily losing anything per se, unless it's a bad thing we really do want to cut off, but we're just evolving into the next aspect of who we are. So that's where we're at so far with this idea of quitting. And now we wanna bring in our friends from the audience. So we have Carol and Erica with us. If there's anybody else in the audience today who feels like 
you have something to put into this conversation, we really want to hear from you. So please raise your hand and we'll bring you up. Um, let's start with Carol. So what are your thoughts around this whole idea, Carol? Well, I think if I can turn it around from quitting and losing into what I want in place and what really furthered that idea is what Bassam just said. I'm always amazed when I think everything's been said and then Bassam comes in with a, well, you know, really good thing. But um, yeah, the clarity of place. Who is that, that person? What does that place look like? And I think that is, wow, so relevant to me in what has been keeping me kind of spinning my wheels and stuck because I don't know what that will look like, what it is this next phase, you know, and not having the security of knowing is makes the changes uh, so much harder. And I, I have like a, a quick, per, uh, perfect example. I used to go through magazines and only like those that had really high quality, really vibrant paper are great for collage. And so I have a bunch of those, probably more than what I need. But I also had a bunch of magazines I wanted to get rid of. And I knew I, I couldn't just get rid of them. I mean, I didn't anyway with my with my limited thinking or vision about the future, I guess. And I had to go through hundreds of magazines. And now I have all these wonderful uh, pieces of paper that I probably will never get to all of them but um, staying, spinning my wheels in that one spot. And so it was so cool what Bassam said because I realized, okay, I need to be able to envision, but rather than quitting and losing, it's easier for me to think in terms of what I want. You know, it, it makes it so much easier to, to thin out and figure out, you know what I mean? Um, what it is I want to do and it, and rather than feel like, wow, I spent all this time in my life doing whatever. Now I have to go through it all rather than all of that. Um, what is it I do want? Get clarity of focus there. And I think it will really help me to have this vision of what, who and what I want it to look like and what from my past I want to take and what I'm, I want to leave behind rather than what I'm losing or what I'm quitting, because those do definitely have those uh, fear of missing out negative connotations for me anyway. So anyway, thanks so much. I'm done. I think that was a really great observation, Carol, and a, a, a really fantastic example of the mental reframing that we've talked about so many times, because I think you're right. There are absolutely ways that we can take these these words that we use that have these negative connotations that can actually make it even more difficult to move forward with the thing. Like Becca was saying earlier, the way that quitting just has this really negative connotation for her. Um, we can take that and we can flip things around and use it in the through the lens of, well, what are we gaining? What are we moving towards? Not always necessarily what we're moving away from. But what are we moving towards? And of course, by its very definition, in order to move toward a thing, we have to move away from another thing. But instead of 
I've heard people say this at weddings. I'm not losing a son, I'm gaining a daughter, right? Um, so we can, we can absolutely kind of reframe this whole, this whole idea based on what our circumstances are into a way of asking ourselves what, are we, what we're going to gain. I'm not going to lose taking family portraits. I'm going to gain more freedom and creativity when I do this. Um, so I really, really like your idea to be able to frame it that way. I think that will be helpful to a lot of people. Erica, we'd love to hear from you as also. Hello, my lovely. Good morning. Um, you have just sealed the deal on the thought that if you wait long enough, something's going to be said, uh, that <laughs> a thought that you have will be uh, said by somebody else. What I was thinking was exactly in line with what Carol was saying, that um, you know, anytime I am thinking about quitting something or changing something, I always try to look at what am I missing out on by not quitting? What am I losing by not quitting? And that may be joy, that may be time, that may be money. Um, I'm actually going through something today that is a perfect example. Um, I have an entire room in my studio dedicated to newborn photography. Um, I think I, it has been eight months since I've done a newborn session and I'm like, that is valuable space. I need to seal the deal. I'm not doing newborns anymore you know, change that space over and, and quit and quit that because I need that space. I need that space for something else. So it's just a matter of taking a look at what you're losing out on by not quitting. Oof, that's a really fantastic question for us to ask ourselves. I love that as well. Um, because it is, I mean, we've, we've got opportunity costs, right? Like we've got lost opportunity costs there that are inherent in the things that we do when we choose to do a thing we're choosing not to do another thing and that may be something that's more aligned with what we want so i love that i love that um really fantastic stuff carol and eric i, I love being able to add that to this conversation and so as we start to near the end of our hour i want to share a little bit about my story in the hopes that maybe that will help people see this as an example that kind of clarifies this process and some additional things that we might be able to add to our toolbox here. So um, I first started photography, God, 13 years ago, almost 14 years ago now. Um, and of course I had not, at that time, I was, I'd been, I've been a creative person since I was tiny. I was writing and painting and drawing and all of these things. And I, I never lost any of that. I was an actress for a while. Um, locally you know and in, in theater things and that's what i was going to go to college for actually before i joined the military which is a whole story in and of itself but um there were all of these artistic things in my life and a friend suggested photography and this was right at the beginning of digital really picking up steam and and actually being quality um where everybody was moving in and so there was not a whole lot of education there there were some online photo communities but education really didn't exist in a um, online in a formal sense. And so I started doing things. I started learning from other people by them giving me critique. Like I started just moving forward. And then a couple years later, I started my business and I started doing uh, family photo shoots and weddings, babies, baptisms, literally anything I could get my hands on. And as time progressed, it felt like I realized over and over again that this is not for me. I really have no interest and shooting families. In fact, every time I do it, I'm dreading the fact that I'm about to go edit these. Um, and it wasn't until 
I was unhappy enough with what I was doing, and then we moved that I had the chance to switch things up and start focusing on fashion and beauty and all of these things. I started working with brands and shooting all, you know, commercial stuff and just doing all the things, and then also realized that wasn't really filling my bucket either. Um, and at that time, I had already been working on my novels on the side. I had, I had finished one and was beginning to work on the second. And I was bouldering in the climbing gym one day and just destroyed my ankle. I fell from the top of bouldering hold, fell 15 feet. My ankle went crunch. I tore every ligament down there. So I was off my feet for probably about eight weeks. Um, and then I moved to a walking like support because my ankle was so messed up. But um, during that time, I had to sit and finish my second book. I had nothing else that I could do. I literally couldn't stand up and walk for very long. So I finished my second book and I realized then how important story was, how central it was to my life. And at the point that I'm at now, I'm recognizing that the way that I use photography is, is changing even more. So I stopped taking traditional clients. I stopped the, the retail side of my business as it related to people showing up to commission me to take portraits for them. I stopped doing that. I started adding print sales and I started adding um, uh, stock photography. So I'm, I'm working with a company and we're developing some things, but I started adding that to my repertoire as well. Um, and those things allow me to shoot what I want. They give me some side income, but the important part of that is I'm not walking away from photography. It's evolving into a new thing that is supporting my overall mission statement. And that mission statement is to tell stories and to help other people tell stories. Those are the, those are the core thing of what I want to do because I believe that stories are the way that human beings make meaning of the world. So everything and anything that we want to change can be changed through telling the right story. And so I have these kind of three pillars of that mission statement that are, does it help me tell stories? Does it help me t help other people? So is it gonna assist me in helping other people tell the stories they wanna tell? And does it contribute to the health, happiness and welfare of my family? So the, my mission statement sits on those three pillars and anything that fulfills all three of them is going to be something worthwhile to add to my journey. And as soon as something starts falling off those three pillars, it's time for me to remove it. So in a way I'm using these like a measurement system so I can take some of my emotion out of wanting to hang on to things. As Matt said, some of that tenacity, some of that, but I might be able to use it in the future the same way that kind of Carol has, right? You, we start hoarding all of these things that we do in the hopes that they're gonna be useful to us in the future. And what we're doing is really just cluttering our insides. So if it doesn't align with those three things, then I get to use those as a measuring stick that allows me to take a step back and not use my emotion when it comes to having to remove that thing. That has to go now because it doesn't align with this core mission. And of course, I'll continue to check in with this core mission over time, but having that system in place allows me to be able to function well. And when I take what I'm doing now and I recognize, okay, photography is going to exist for me in this way. It is gonna serve this purpose. 
almost all the things I do are now going to serve the, the novels that I write. So I'm going to continue to be creative all the way through. I'm going to continue digital art. I'm going to continue photography. But when I take a photo, I'm probably going to take a photo of a character within the worlds that I have built, which are pretty much endless because it's a multiverse, but that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. I'm allowing that thing to move with me and evolve with me and continue to serve that core mission statement that I have using those three pillars as a way to measure if something is still happening. And the photography will help me serve those things because it's helping me reach people. So they see, they wanna engage, they like the work. I'm bringing them in that way. I'm giving them a way to escape their lives a little bit while also continuing to help tell the stories that I'm telling. So I haven't stopped being a photographer. I've just evolved that in a new way. And like Carol mentioned and, and Erica so aptly put as well, I'm moving toward a new vision and a new version of that, allowing that to change. And have I lost things? Absolutely. Um, when I stepped away from family photography, I had my rates as high as they had ever been. That was really great for me, but that part is gone now. And I didn't lose any of the skills. I'm taking them and I'm pulling them with me into the next thing, but it was the unhappiness and it was the unfulfilledness and it was the resentfulness, right? All of those things that we mentioned that were real clues that this was just not the right thing for me to be chasing. So have I been a former lots of things? but all of those things still contribute to who I am now. I'm like a transformer. I'm just grabbing all this stuff and sticking it on and becoming something new all the time. Even when I don't use those things for the original purpose that they came into my life for. And I think we can all think of ourselves that way, that even when we walk away and even when we recognize that something is done for us, it doesn't disappear. It still leaves that imprint on who we are. And that becomes another piece of what we become. We get to choose how to use that moving forward, which makes us pretty powerful. So as we are here at the end of our hour, I want to encourage anybody else, if you have any kind of closing thoughts, now is the time. And I'd love to get start that by getting final thoughts from folks on the panel today. Final thoughts on this idea of quitting when we know how we can do it. How should we think about it? What do we do? What do you think? There's the speak at once now. <laughs> couldn't get couldn't get to my phone fast enough. There's the reason that there's the saying, you know, listen to your gut. It's not going to lead you wrong. So if you start feeling those feelings kicking up, listen to them. Don't just push them down because of habit or because of nostalgia or because of some sense of loyalty. Listen to your gut. Really start asking yourself those tough questions of, is this serving me? Is it bringing me joy? Is it bringing me happiness? Is it getting me closer to my goals? Look at it from that standpoint um, rather than wasting your time doing something that you feel you should do. The hoarding connection was great, Nicole. It really just stopped me in my tracks when you said that. Um, but yeah, listen to your gut. It's never going to lead you wrong. Agreed. Anybody else? Any other final closing thoughts? I was just going to say, just to kind of solidify it for myself from everything I learned here today, and that is, who is that person? What do they look like? What does that place look like? And also the focus on 
what do I want my space and time to be um, in the future? Being able to visualize the space and time. And, and I think that really has held me back, you know? So anyway, thanks. I love that, Carol. Um, we ask the question all the time, what do you want your life to look like, right? And it's, it's sometimes it can be a hard question to wrap our minds around because that's not a real thing yet. And so you really do have to envision, you have to visualize, you have to dig deep and ask yourself, if I was living the life I wanted every day, what would that look like? How do I build that? And who lives that life? You're right. What version of me is that? How do I get there? Um, really important questions to ask ourselves that hopefully help us get clarity on what it's going to take to move forward, what we're moving towards and what we're moving away from. So as we end this conversation on quitting and how do we know when it's time, all of us are going to, actually, let me begin again. We each have built our identities around the things that we do every day. We are a mom, we are a photographer, we are a rock climber, we are an author, we are a founder, we are a friend, we are et cetera, et cetera. We are these things, right? And then each of those pieces of identity has a lot of little branches that hang off of it. Being mom also makes me caretaker, makes me chauffeur, it makes me all of these other things. Being photographer or artist also makes me customer service manager and bookkeeper and all of these things. And so all of these pieces are like branches and leaves on a tree that come down to the trunk and the root of who we are. That's our identity. When it is time to cut off a branch because it's either become infected or it has died, it has been damaged, it's not serving the greater pieces anymore of who we are. That piece is gone now it can be incredibly difficult to cut that thing away because it has served us. It has been part of our identity. It's been part of who we are. In a big way, it's like an act of surgery. It's cutting a piece of ourselves away. And we have a big aversion to doing that because there's a grief involved of losing that part of ourselves. And there's the pain involved of the actual excision. But we recognize that we will be healthier when that thing is gone, that removing it is going to allow new growth in its place. And that while the shape of our tree may change, the core of what it is will not. We now have the opportunity to move forward into a new thing instead of being locked by that deadness into something we're not happy with. We may be comfortable, but we're not happy. And so we have to take the time to do those check-ins and to ask ourselves, am I happy? Am I resentful? Am I starting to become apathetic? What negative emotions are cropping up that let me know something is wrong here? We need to be able to feel that pain and be okay with that and go to the spot that is damaged or that is dying and say, okay, I recognize that I'm gonna have some pain moving forward from this but it needs to go in order for me to continue to thrive and be moving toward the person that I want to be. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean the death of a thing. Sometimes it means the evolution of a thing. It means the evolution of the whole. It might mean grafting on new branches, but whatever it is, 
it changes us from what we used to be. But we can't let that make us fearful because the new thing is going to be beautiful and our roots stay the same, even if some of the branches are going to change. And I know that seems like a really heavy metaphor for something that may literally be as simple as stopping a subscription, right? As Matt mentioned. But that subscription is a little piece that does play into our idea of who our identity is. I'm a learner, right? I'm somebody who always wants to keep learning and growing. And all of a sudden when that's gone, what if I need it, right? What if I needed that? So we have to be able to take the time to check in with ourselves and then envision the future that we want for ourselves. What do we want our life to look like? And how do we start taking those steps to move forward? And hopefully that will help us recognize that what we're doing isn't necessarily killing parts of ourselves, but it's taking what's important about that part and allowing it to actually thrive in a new way. Maybe I'm not a bartender anymore. Maybe I can't connect with people in the way that I could while I was a bartender, but I can take all of those skills and I can move them into my photography business and be able to connect with people there and help them there. So all of these things, what's the, you know, it's, it's very much scientific. Nothing is ever lost, right? Um, that energy continues on. It just moves into a new form. So quitting doesn't have to be scary, even though it can be emotional. We can do those things. We can take the steps to move forward into the life that we want for ourselves. We just need to know what it is. And so we need to have that clarity on what it is we love about what we do and how we can take those pieces and continue to bring us forward, bring them forward with us into the next evolution of what we become. So I hope today's conversation was helpful. I really, really love everything that everybody said today. It was incredibly powerful, especially knowing these past histories and what everyone has been through and the lessons that they really have learned from doing this in their own lives. And hopefully it makes us a little less fearful and a little more powerful and a little more able to do the same thing for ourselves. So thank you to everybody who was vulnerable and shared today. And thank you to everybody who came and hung out in the audience. I hope you will come join us in the Facebook group. Becca has pinned that up at the top. Um, we're, we're moving faster in there every single day. I'm, I love seeing all of the interaction that's happening um, with this amazing community. So I hope you will come join us there. Podcasts are now going up every single day. You can find them in the article section of theartistforge.com along with a summary of what that conversation included and the full transcript, y'all. So we have those full transcripts for you. You can go through, you can read those yourself if you want to. If you find really great quotes that are meaningful, you can always copy and paste those suckers um, and even share them because they have name tags next to who said the thing. So if you, if Bassam said something amazing, which he always does, you can grab that quote in his name and you can have that for yourself to keep if it motivates you. But I hope everything has been helpful and that you will come and join us next week, beginning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That is 6 a.m. for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast. We will also be doing our first live stream of the month next Thursday. So I hope you will be there for that. In the meantime, have a fantastic weekend, guys. Go make something amazing, and we'll see you all next week on Monday. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.